I'm Lance Wigton, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with my good friend Jim Putman, and uh, we are again in this podcast talking about prayer, but this one is going to be a little bit more on rules of engagement. Uh, the first question we had was based on, uh, do I need to pray before every meal? And um, essentially, what would be the downside of not praying in front of every meal? How does God interpret that? And I don't know if they're linking that question to uh, give us our daily bread. But anyways, what's your take on that in, in, in praying before a meal? Well, I, I would say um, the Lord's Prayer on give us this day our daily bread is more on I'm relying on the Lord to supply it. If I'm praying before a meal using that, then it'd be like, thank you for giving me my daily bread because mm-hmm. I'm about to eat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I'm not a legalist. I don't think you have to pray before every meal. I, I don't think it's wrong or right. I think you need to rely upon the Lord daily for your food. I think thanking God uh, for what he's given you is good. It, it's an opportunity to be reminded that he holds the whole world together. Mm-hmm. That he is, he causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. That his grace and ongoing mercy every single day is flowing to us for things that we, in America in particular, take for granted. You know, when you're in in Africa and mm-hmm. you know you're not sure where your foods, you don't have a freezer, you don't have uh, a lot of options. It becomes, wow, thank you today, Lord, you provided this, and it, it's much more of a miracle. We Americans start to rely on ourselves a lot and, and start to take it for granted that that he is supplying, he did supply mm-hmm. it, that he every good thing comes from him. So it's good to, to remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, if you miss a meal, it's like dirty food, dirty food, it's kind of a joke, you know. Right. Uh, but I think it is good to pray. I, I, I try to do it, um, but I have missed it. I'm not a legalist, but... To, to this constant reminder of what God has done for you today, that, that he has blessed you today, mm-hmm. that you do have something that you don't deserve today, mm-hmm. that he provided provided it is good today. And getting us to focus on today, what he's done, not so much worry or fear about what um, he, is going to happen tomorrow, or um, it, a lack of thankfulness for what we have today, we do have something to eat today. There's places in the world where that doesn't happen. I know we all heard that someday, somewhere when we were growing up. You know, yeah. Finish your food. There are people in the world that don't have food, right? I don't know how what I didn't eat on my plate was going to go to six different time zones a long ways away and help these kids. But I I was a snotty little kid who said, well, then give it to them. Yes. Right? Because I don't like it. You know, but we in America have unique issues Um but I, I think it's good to thank God for it. I think to, to teach your kids and to remember yourself that God is blessing and doing something when the devil will whisper in your ear constantly that he's not doing enough or the right things. Mm-hmm. No, he is doing something. He is taking care of my needs today. Mm-hmm. And and he is worthy of praise and thankfulness for that. That is, that is a great point. Uh, it's more philosophical and uh, remembering on where it came from, which, which, like you said, in this country, I think it's so important when we buy in bulk. You know, mm-hmm. you go in Costco and you get... Yeah. Uh, my wife got garbanzo beans. We have enough garbanzo beans for the next five years. The other thing was, too, during COVID, everyone is going through their freezer, you know, and I thought I had, you know, we had stuff in the freezer. We were, we're okay. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for toilet paper. Oh, uh, my goodness. People, Can't believe I've got toilet paper. People yes. were freaking out over that. 
scarcity. Mm-hmm. But uh, that is essentially daily bread and why we uh, need to thank the Lord for it and just remember that. That is a good, that is a good reminder. Uh, another question was on speaking in tongues. Uh, I know we talk about this in our membership class. But there are things that we can do and there are things that we shouldn't do associated with tongues and prayer. Uh, would you illuminate us more on that topic? Well, I mean, that it's just like the enemy to create division around talking to God and praying with each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, to divide. And there's certainly been a lot of division around the charismatic issue. If you were to... If you were to talk about the top three reasons why churches split in, the, in America, it's, it would be built around the charismatic issues, mm-hmm. for and against. And honestly, it wasn't until about 1903 that the, this, this modern-day charismatic movement came back into play. And there's some great books on, on that um, to read that give you the history of how it came back into play which is always like, okay, well, where did it go mm-hmm. in the first place? And that's, a, you know, that's the whole debate between cessationism, which means that the gifts were given at a specific time and a specific purpose to clarify and to um, authenticate that what the guys were doing came from God. So the mm-hmm. apostles' writing did miracles. Spiritual gifts were present, like this gift of prophecy, speaking in other languages and interpretation of other languages because the gospel is going into a world that didn't have a common language. You know, those kinds of spiritual gifts to get it started. And then as the apostles died out, those gifts went away uh, because they had served their purpose. Mm -hmm. That's cessationism. And then... Based out of Acts. Yes. Continuationism is this view that those spiritual gifts were always supposed to be here to this very day and they're normative today mm-hmm. and that's that battle started in 19 early 1900s and and so there's these this great chasm of of christian belief on this subject and mm-hmm. again more churches have split over this issue and it's very divisive language i i, I had some really neat people come to me again for about the thousandth time just very recently and say you know we spirit filled folks want to see this this and this happen and and I went well do you want to want to know what I just heard because I don't agree with you I'm not spirit filled Mm -hmm. Um, if I'm not spirit filled why are you even here if I'm Mm -hmm. not filled by the Holy Spirit as a why are you at this church if you don't think I'm I'm spirit filled, filled by the Holy Spirit. If I don't have the indwelling presence of the, that, I, I don't speak in tongues. I, um, I'm not a strict cessationist. I'm, it, for me, what's normative means that everybody has that. Does God still do miraculous things at certain times at certain places mm-hmm. for certain reasons? I agree that he does, but is that the normative way we all function with one of those gifts right now? No, I don't believe that. So... It's very divisive language. Or they'll say, um, you know, if you're not praying in the spirit, meaning in tongues, that you're praying with one hand tied behind your back. Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm praying with one hand tied behind my back, why? again, how does that impact my abiding relationship with Jesus? I'm not praying with the full power and, and uh, pleasure of God. 
that just the language around this mm-hmm. is a very superiority sort of. I have this gift and experience, and that's what Paul's talking about. In the, it, you know, you say you have this gift, you say of that gift. My gift's better than your gift. This this whole experiential kind of self-focus sort of stuff is certainly dangerous. And on the other side, you've got people saying if you have some sort of experience, it's of the devil. Like you know, you speak in tongues, it's of the right. devil, and and that's very judgmental and that's very divisive. And and um, and so when God wants us to be unified. Uh, the enemy will sneak in and divide us on all of these things. Going back to the Lord's Prayer, the Scripture is very clear that you're not to pray in front of other people for their uh, for the purpose of them thinking mm-hmm. you're uh, you know you're important, and you're not to pray with a whole bunch of babbling. The, the word actually says, or words, a lot of words, a volume mm-hmm. of words. Um, say what you need to say. The Lord hears you. The Lord, the Lord knows. You know that's back in Matthew six, prior to the Lord's Prayer. And, and he says, go into your closet, go in, your, in, in there and pray in there mm-hmm. between you and the Lord and the Lord sees. So um, there is a, if a person were to pray in tongues, you know, the scripture says even back then, and again, Paul's writing at a time when the gifts were given by, by the Lord through the apostles to confirm the word. So there was speaking in tongues back then, but the rules were, that it didn't edify the body, and if you were to speak in a tongue, there had to be an interpreter, or it wasn't edifying to the body, so don't do it. There mm-hmm. were rules. So a lot of people who want to claim that they're normative, that spiritual gifts are normative today, don't follow the rules the Bible actually gave in Scripture about how they're to be used within the church, mm-hmm. which is always confusing to me. The, the Bible that talks about the rules gave rules. The, the gifts gave rules. and um, And so... In our church, in places where we meet together, we're not going to allow the enemy to divide us. We're going to pray. We're going to follow the rules when we're together mm-hmm. in the body of Christ. Um, uh, if it's a prayer language, as some would call it, go in. If it's just between you and the Lord, go in your prayer closet and do it. I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. I don't know that I agree that that's uh, what that actually meant in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. But it, that's between you and the Lord. It's not a salvation issue great place for you to do it in your closet if something's going to happen in church um, where we're gathering in a life group or one of our ministries or whatever there are rules for how that works and it's not edifying to the body if nobody understands what you're saying Mm -hmm. and there's no interpreter it's not going to happen especially as this device divisive as you said it has been also I want to clarify you said um, that, that this topic has come to you a bunch. It's not from that group that came to you, those the the people that you just had a conversation with. It's not them over and over and over again. No. It's no. the topic you've the been topic. with. I mean we got people moving into the area. We got people mm-hmm. that are hearing from a variety of different people on TV, different churches, and they have differing views on this subject. And it's caused great division. Mm-hmm. And in our church, it's not a salvation issue. Um, it's uh, it, we're not going to say that to you that you're of the devil or you're evil if you're doing that. But but if it's not being done according to the rules in our public gatherings, it's not going to happen. Right. And our elders are going to play a part in that. Back then, the elders would test something to see whether it actually came from God, and and uh, and then they would make a pronouncement over what was happening in the first church because. Uh, those who knew the word were to discern whether that was coming from the spirit or not. 
And there are all kinds of things that were going on back then to protect the church from false spirits, deceiving spirits, from people who were uh, immature and couldn't tell the difference between something that was from the Holy Spirit and something that wasn't. And the Bible uh, wasn't, the New Testament wasn't written down. One church would have one book, then another church would have another book. And so they relied upon the older, mature believers, uh, eldership leading in the church to discern what came from the Lord and what didn't. And so there was a lot that happened in all of that that we weren't aware of to protect the church from delusion, mm-hmm. from false prophets. And we have a bunch of people now that don't understand the rules that were given in the New Testament church. Mm-hmm. They're not practicing these things according to Scripture. And it, it's very confusing and, and, and very divisive. And so whole churches are split on, on this or denominations are built around this. And so in our church, we're going to go back to what the first church taught and believed, the way they understood it, and we're going to use it the way it was uh, defined by the disciples of the disciples. And I'm not really interested in what somebody came up with in 1903. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, what if I uh, hear I'm a member, I want to be a member of the church, and I hear, I hear those rules, but in, in my individual prayer life, uh, it represents something different. What, what would your take on that be? I would say if that's first of all, I test everything by the word. Mm-hmm. Um, every religion in the world has speaking in tongues, glossiola, mm-hmm. and it's a form of meditation. Um, I'm not going to deny you your view of it, but I'm not going to let you promote that in the church, and I'm not going to. Uh, our elders aren't. It's part of our membership covenant. Mm-hmm. That's between you and the Lord, but it's not going to become something that you evangelize with. Mm-hmm. Go to a home group and go, let me show you how to do this, and mm-hmm. you should be doing this. And No, that's that's in our church. It's very. This is the way it's going to be because this is what we believe the Bible says, and we're not going to allow the devil to divide us mm-hmm. on something that's not a salvation issue, that's a recent phenomenon in the church in the 1900s. Um, we're, so, we're going to be busy enough with the things we know, the mission to reach lost people, to share Christ with them, to help them know the word so well that their that experience is secondary to what the word says. We're going to mm-hmm. test experiences uh, based on what the word actually says. And most people know more about their experiences than they know the word. Mm-hmm. And so they'll they'll have some experience. And then they'll try to say, well, they'll try to tweak the Word of God to meet their experience versus test that experience by the Word of God. And um, because of that, there's a lot of immature things happening and things that that, that just don't represent order. The Mm -hmm. Bible says that God is a God of order, not of disorder. There was a way it was supposed to be functioning. Um, And there are standards and, and... and we're going to follow those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the other danger of uh, reversing your experiences in your theology from what you said is if your experience is actually bad, then you, you don't have any theology to be able to trust God anymore. Your faith is built on only your experience. Yeah, people reject Jesus because of the experience they had with a Christian. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Or they, they, they decide they had a really good experience with a Buddhist, so therefore this, mu- this must be one of the ways to get to heaven. Mm-hmm. No, God's word is the standard by which we, we judge truth. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, this is more of a philosophical question. We had... Uh, question, which I thought was interesting. Um, 
Jesus, or, 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 or God, I should say, God being outside of time itself, uh, then here we are, we have loved ones that um, have passed away. And maybe uh, maybe the, we don't know if they were Christians or, or worse, we even have a pretty good idea that they weren't Christians. Uh, what does God think about praying for the, their salvation, even though they're already gone, but knowing that God is above time, he can handle all that? I would say this. Uh, you're right. We are in a finite time and space. We are, yes. We are. He's outside of time. He has foreknowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does God do? Let's say that I pray for my great-great-grandpa who's already dead. Okay. Well, first of all, he knows in advance what I would have prayed for. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're getting into high-level theoretical stuff that I'm not quite sure what to do with. I mean, I have, I have ideas. I don't. I, I'm not going to pray for somebody who's already dead. Mm-hmm. If I thought that worked, I would. But God knows I would if I thought that worked. Uh huh. And so you, you know, here's the deal. He knows all things he's outside of time and space and yet there is a time continuum that we live in and how does all that work i don't really know i i think that's a above my pay grade so i'm not going to make a a a firm stance on something that's above my pay grade the bible Mm -hmm. says that his ways are not our ways his thoughts are not our thoughts we can know what he's revealed the rest of it is up to him and so i try to stay out of making pronouncements and there's enough I here's where I'm at. There's enough I know about that I have a, a hard time mm-hmm. living out, you know, enough stuff that he said that I'm sure about that when it comes into conjecture, I don't have the brain matter to spend on that. I, most would say I don't have the brain matter to spend on what I do know, and I would I would tend to agree with that. <laughs> so I'm not so much into the theoretical as much as I do know, I'm supposed to pray for lost people now that are on the planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And to pray that God will speak to them, God will work in their lives. If God gives me an opportunity that I can be a part of that, um, I know there's a spiritual battle going on, and there are people that I don't have the ability to even know where they are mm-hmm. on planet Earth. But I'm praying for them because God does. Mm-hmm. And He's asked me to do that, He's told me to do that. and. Um, so I just want to be obedient and do what he says and let him work out the rest. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I would come at. Well, that is a good answer. And, and uh, it's it's clear that Satan knows how much power that we have when we pray because there is so much confusion uh, over something that should be per- pretty simple yeah. uh, and distorts us and distorts uh, each other's views on prayer. And uh, like you pointed out earlier, causes conflict on the topic of prayer and it is because that is where power is and here's the deal i want to do what god wants me to do Mm -hmm. i want all the power that he wants me to have right and going back to the 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 charismatic issue um when i see the power of the holy spirit right um on the day of pentecost when the holy spirit came they were willing to do whatever god wanted them to do but the holy spirit came and there was no denying him. If it, you, you don't get to control the Holy Spirit, uh, what he wants to do and what he doesn't want to do. So if somebody says, well, it's, you don't have this because you didn't ask 
um, the Holy Spirit to do it. Mm-hmm. No, what I do is I say, I want the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants to do. My life is his. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell him what to do. And I certainly don't have the power over him to dictate what he does and what he doesn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I want to do what he wants to me to do, and he's told me very clearly what to do in many ways, and I, I'm going to do that. And if he wants to change my mind on something, he's going to have to do that. And then I'm going to test whatever happens by the Word of God mm-hmm. to decide whether or not that was a, a, some sort of strange experience or the Holy Spirit. Just like you said, experience, yeah. you test with theology. It, it just because an experience happens doesn't mean that it came from God. That's right. why First John 4 says, test the spirits to see whether they come from God because there are many false prophets that have gone into the world. And mm-hmm. there, there are things that, that are very clearly said in Scripture. And so, again, I'm, I'm going to let the Word of God dictate truth to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not looking, you know, Jesus was asked by the, the Pharisees, you know, give us a miraculous sign right after he had, you know, fed the 5,000. And it was called a sign. And a sign was to prove that he really was, you know, connected to the God in the desert, mm-hmm. the manna. He is the son of God, the prophet that Moses said would come. And they said, hey, give us another sign. And he's like, it's a wicked generation that is always looking for a sign. Mm-hmm. And so I just mm-hmm. look at um, uh, so many now want to disregard the word of God and they want some sort of miraculous experiences. I call it sensuality. Mm-hmm. They want something experiential. Uh, and and the Bible has great warnings about that. And so the Spirit of God never contradicts the Word of God. And so I, I'm not going to judge another person who's showing this fruit of the Spirit in their life. And that's the biggest fruit. It's not some miraculous thing. It's the fruit of the Spirit, mm-hmm. love and joy and peace and patience mm-hmm. and kindness. It's a transformation from the inside out. Um, your character, not some sort of experience or giftedness mm-hmm. level. Uh, and we got a lot of people that are gifted and maybe know some, but when it comes to who they are, the fruit of the Spirit in their mm-hmm. life, it's, it's devoid. And the Bible says you'll know a tree by its fruit. And there will be many false prophets who will come with miraculous signs. And the Antichrist will come with miraculous signs. But you'll know them by their fruit. What kind of fruit? Not the powerful things they're able to do, Mm -hmm. but by the kind of people they are. And um, and so this is what I really think prayer is about. It's like, Lord, change me to become more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. Not to do the miraculous signs Jesus did. Mm -hmm. Because he did that to prove who he was. Help me to become more like him in character. Mm-hmm. That's the, the big work of the Spirit. It's internal mm-hmm. in us. And and prayer connects us to him so that we become more like him. Your will be done, Lord. Forgiving those around us. Not being more concerned about stuff mm-hmm. than we are about people and about the, the eternity. And it's about a, a transformation of, of your character. Mm-hmm. And so that's what prayer is really designed to do. And that takes a while. It takes... That takes, uh, you know, I always feel like we're wanting this, uh, one of like in a superhero movies where somebody all of a sudden has powers and it happens and it happens overnight or, you know, quickly. And me becoming more like Christ is, it turns out to be a lifelong journey. Yeah. And it's, it's a road I want to be on and prayer is the way I stay on the road. 
but it isn't instantaneous. But hopefully, after my generation is our generation is over, there'll be fruit there left over for multiple generations. Yeah, that's great. And again, I hope people don't hear me say I don't think God does miracles. He right. does. When I pray, when our elders pray, I've seen God heal people. But it wasn't a power I had. Right. The disciples had a authority to say what they were saying came from God, right? So when Paul says, I'm glad you see these words as they are, not the word of men, but the word of God, mm-hmm. and he does miraculous signs, he was speaking forth the new covenant. Just as Moses was involved with what God was doing, God used Moses and did miracles to prove that what Moses wrote in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy mm-hmm. came from God. In the same way, the apostles did miraculous signs to say these things came from God. But we can pray, and God does miraculous things. Mm-hmm. I've seen him heal people. Mm-hmm. I've seen him say no, too. Mm-hmm. And so the mirac- miracles are still happening, but as far as me having the ability to, to um, you know, like I have, have the gift of faith. Yeah, or I have, the, I have the gift of healing. Right, right. Right? Well, no, I can pray to the God who has the gift of healing. But I don't have the gift of healing. And, and by the way, neither does Benny Hinn. Mm-hmm. Neither does, and, and these guys who, who come up with, uh, you know, that, so that they can be important. Mm-hmm. God's the only hero of the story. He does things to bring glory to himself. And we tend to get in the way so that we take credit for what he's doing. And that, that is a dangerous mm-hmm. place to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, big question deep subject but uh really good and uh thanks again and thanks for joining this series